When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Pitt football team did it. They are ACC Coastal Champions yet again. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen, and in this episode, we will be talking mostly about Pitt football. They won the Coastal. They did exactly what they set out to do, and it's not done yet because the ultimate goal is winning the ACC. But to do that, you have to win your division. You have to win the Coastal. And the Panthers did that. They had a game in front of them where the winner was almost definitely going to win the Coastal. If Pitt won, they'd win the Coastal. If Virginia won, they would just have to beat Virginia Tech, who's without a head coach, and they'd win the Coastal. So whoever whoever won that game was almost certainly going to win the division. And in this make-or-break game, Pitt went out and won 48-38. to And I've said this multiple times this season. It's pretty amazing when a program that many of us have known for uh, collapsing, for breaking down, for pitting, for just not being able to get over the hump and not being able uh, to, to go all the way, that this team was able to do it, that this team was able to uh, go up in a literal must-win game, and they won, and and they won the Coastal, and they did what they should have done with all the talent that they have on their team, especially uh, at, at a couple of positions in particular. And so with one game, this wasn't well, you have to see what Miami's going to do. This It worked out where both teams had their destiny in their own hands. They controlled their own destiny. And Pitt simply had to go out and win one football game to make it to the ACC championship. And they did. They did it. I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable that they sim- they had to win this game. They knew they had to win the game. And then they just went out and did it. That is... That deserves a lot of credit because so many pit teams in the past would not have done that. They would have, they would not have uh, succeeded in this must-win game. And so, major credit to them. Uh, talking about the game specifically, uh, you have to talk about the offense. The offense was spectacular. They did their job. Uh, Kenny Pickett. He had a great great game. Uh, He did have two interceptions, uh, but he had 340 yards. He had four touchdowns. uh, Just 
a really good game for Kenny Pickett, and I continue to insist that he has got to be a Heisman finalist. I'm not saying that he has to win it, because I understand that there's sort of a bias on the top teams and, you know, the teams that, uh, you know, have maybe only lost one game and Pitt has lost two and it's, you know, the ACC isn't as, uh, you know, powerful a conference in many people's eyes. So, okay, I get it. And, and there have been a couple of mistakes. But when you look at the stats, he is just as good as the other guys who are going to be Heisman finalists. He's just as good as the Ohio State quarterback, uh, C.J. Stroud. He's just as good as the Alabama quarterback, Bryce Young. Uh, He's just as good as the Ole Miss quarterback, Matt Corral. He is just as good as them, if not maybe even a little bit better. And he continues to prove it with way fewer weapons, by the way. He doesn't have nearly the weapons that these other guys have at Ohio State and Bama and Ole Miss. He doesn't have the system that they have at Ohio State and Bama and Ole Miss. Think about all the great quarterbacks to come out of those schools in recent years. Maybe not as much Ole Miss, but Bama and Ohio State, they just, you know, recycle. They just replenish. One guy goes and they bring someone else in. I mean, it, it's it's obviously not easy, but it's a lot easier to be a good quarterback at Alabama than it is to be a good quarterback at Pitt with the system and with the personnel. And Kenny Pickett is putting up numbers that are just as good, if not better than theirs. So I think a serious case should be made, could be made that he should win the Heisman, but there is no case that can be made why Kenny Pickett shouldn't, should not be a Heisman finalist. There's no case to be made why Kenny Pickett should not be invited to New York for the Heisman ceremony and get all the attention that comes with that. He is, without a doubt, one of the five best players in college football this season. Just 100%, absolutely, one of the five best. Uh, The last time that there was a Pitt player in talks for a Heisman finalist was Aaron Donald, and he did not get that honor. He should have. He was easily, by far, the best defensive player in the country that season, and arguably the best player overall in the country. But again, I can understand, you know, a a player not winning from Pitt. I get it. I get sort of the the politics that go into it. You're not in Ohio State. You're not at Alabama. You're not Oklahoma. You're not, uh, you know, okay, I get that. But to not have Aaron Donald as a finalist then, and to not have Kenny Pickett as a finalist now, would frankly be a disgrace. I mean, he he has been stellar, and so we'll see in a little bit, but Kenny Pickett 100% deserves to be uh, a Heisman finalist. Uh, Also talking about uh, the Virginia game, uh, Jordan Addison, my goodness, he is spectacular. The sophomore in this game had over 200 yards receiving on 14 catches, That's over 14 yards per catch. He had a remarkable four touchdowns, and he had what might be the most important play of the season, which was when Pitt desperately needed a first down. If they didn't get the first down, this was late in the fourth quarter, they would give the ball back to Virginia, give them a chance to uh, perhaps tie the game or maybe even win the game, Uh, because at that point it it was a a three-point game. And on third down, when you absolutely needed a first, Kenny Pickett threw the ball, and it was not the perfect pass. Jordan Addis, it very well could have been intercepted. 
Jordan Addison came back to get it and ripped the ball out of the hands of the uh, uh, defensive back. And then, by the way, he he made the catch and then he ran all the way down the field and had a touchdown to seal the game and Pitt ended up winning by 10. But in, you know, it's it'd be so easy for a receiver, as we've seen many, not specifically a Pitt, but just receivers in general in this sport, to say, okay, it, you know, the ball wasn't toward me. You know, I, I'm going to blame my quarterback. I'm going to be upset about it, whatever, and and just move on. For Addison to go and make a play on that ball and rip it out of the defensive back's hands and then run it into the end zone. I mean, not even don't even think about the touchdown. Don't worry about the touchdown. The fact that he was able to complete the catch and get the first down is incredible because that is we always talk about a quarterback or maybe even a running back doing what the team needs and just giving it their all. Because they have the ball. A quarterback has the ball every play, and the running back, every time it's a handoff, they have the ball. A wide receiver, unless it's passed toward them, they don't have the ball. And even if it's passed toward them, if it's not pretty much right at them, they're not going to be able to get the ball. So it's rare that you talk about a wide receiver just giving it their all and doing, doing whatever it takes to get the job done. But that's what Jordan Addison did. Uh, in that game at that crucial point. And again, on top of that, it wasn't just one great play. It was over 200 yards and four touchdowns. He was magnificent. And you talk about uh, uh, awards and Heisman. Jordan Addison needs to be a finalist, at least, for the Boletnikoff Award for the uh, best wide receiver in the nation. He just has to be. He is spectacular. And... Uh, to me, the, the only way that he doesn't get it is if too many people filled in their ballots before this last week, because this was a big game. And I understand maybe people weren't paying attention before, but in this big game at that crucial moment to make that play, that deserves uh, finalist recognition for the Boletnikov. So we'll see if he gets it, but he absolutely deserves it. And then the running game. I have to give a lot of credit to the running game. The running game this season has not been good, uh, for the most part. There have been some highlights, there have been some standouts, there have been some good moments, but overall, it has not been like the passing game, which has been great. Israel Abanakanda had a great game early on. He had the return touchdown, and then nobody saw him. He was on the, the bench, he was on the sideline for the rest of the day. We'll see in moving forward if we can you know, find out more about what exactly led to that, what happened. But they didn't have, without a doubt, their best running back for most of their game in a unit that struggled for most of the season. But Rodney Hammond, 66 yards, a touchdown, 4.4 yards a carry. And Vincent Davis, who is proving a lot of pe- proved a lot of people wrong in that game. Had 12 carries, 100 yards. That's 8.3 yards per carry. And down the stretch, when they needed yards, it really relied a lot on the running game. In fact, it should have relied more, and we'll get to to talking about play calling in a moment. But you needed good running backs out there who could get you a first down, could hold on to the football, could move the chains, and just keep it going. 
And they were able to do that. Without Israel Abanakanda, they were able to do that. So a lot of credit to the run game to Vincent Davis, to Rodney Hammond, uh, because they certainly succeeded in that. The defense. There were some problems with the defense, but the defense had some big stops. There were times when you really thought that that defense was going to fold, and they had that sort of bend but don't break. Now, they still broke a few times. They allowed 38 points. But Virginia is a really good offensive team. You know, they scored 49 against BYU, 48 against Georgia Tech, 48 against Duke, uh, 34 against Louisville. I mean, they are a really good team on offense. Uh, They did struggle a lot with Notre Dame, but they didn't have their quarterback, Brennan Armstrong. Uh, In this game, they had Brennan Armstrong. And he's a phenomenal quarterback. He might be the second best quarterback in the conference, only behind Kenny Pickett. It's probably between Armstrong and Sam Howell of North Carolina. And so there were there were some problems, but there were big, big points in that game where they got the stop that they desperately needed. And so credit to the defense for those big plays. Still some problems, but credit to them. One other person I, I've got to mention in terms of a great game, that's Sam Scarton. Sam Scarton did not miss a single kick. For all the touchdowns that Pitt had, he did not miss an extra point. And for the two times that he went out there for a field goal attempt, he did not miss. Now, he has not been great this season. He's not been perfect. And and there are some flaws. But to be literally perfect in that one game, a must-win game, that's big. And so he deserves a lot of credit for that. Every single kick that he had to go, when points were crucial and you had to win the game, every single kick, he nailed it. Now, it's not all sunshine. Pitt, yes, they won the Coastal, but there are still problems. Uh, First of all, the play calling. Mark Whipple had some horrendous decisions late in that game. When Pitt needed to run the ball, when they needed to run the clock, when it was third and one, you just needed a yard, fourth and one, whatever it was, you literally only needed a yard. And all you have to do is put Kenny Pickett under center center, and have him push forward. All you have to do maybe is hand the ball off and try to get a yard with Rodney Hammond or, or Vince Davis. That's it. And they would constantly overthink it. He nearly got Kenny Pickett killed when they had what should have been a running play, and they had Kenny Pickett drop all the way back to pass, the pass rush got through, and Kenny Pickett ended up getting hurt. He was out for a handful of plays because they called a, in my opinion, a horrendous play call when they they just overthought it. It was a lot more simple than they were treating it. They just, so many points in that fourth quarter, they just had to run the ball, and they wouldn't do it. I understand you've got Kenny Pickett. I understand that, you know, you're Mark Whipple, you're up for an award for one of the top assistants in the country. Don't get fancy. Don't get cute. When you need a yard and you need to waste time, run the football. It's really simple, and I hate to be, to act, I don't want it to to make it seem something complex and make it seem like it's simple. But this very truly is not that complex. When it's third and one or fourth and one, 
You just run the football. And they didn't do it. And it got Kenny Pickett hurt. Uh, fortunately for Pitt, he was able to come back out, and you don't need him this upcoming week. So he's got a little time if he needs to to rest up for the ACC championship. But you put him in a lot of danger. And even without the injury risk, it just did not make much sense from a football perspective. So Mark Whipple, this offense puts up a lot of points, but he, it's not because of him. He's done a good job at points, but it's not because of him. It's because of Kenny Pickett. It's because of Jordan Addison. It's because of Israel Abanacanda. It's because of the talent they have. And there have been points where Mark Whipple just making horrendous play calls. Now, I'm not going to say uh, that that you've got to fire him because ultimately when you put up these many points, but for someone who's leading an offense this good, one of the best in the country, I do not, and, and most people, rightfully so, do not have that much confidence in the offensive coordinator of one of the best offensive teams in the country. And nothing's going to happen now. That's fine. But moving forward, talking about next year, you might want to put feelers out there. See who if there's a, an offensive coordinator who might want to make the jump to Pitt, who might be at a solid program, but they see the Panthers in a great position and think, hey, I, you know, especially if Pitt wins the ACC, hey, they're ACC champs. You never know. They could do it again. They could win their conference just, you know, pretty much every year. It's it's becoming a more attractive job. And I don't know if Mark Whipple's that guy. We'll see. We'll see how he calls the ACC championship game. But when they needed to just do a few things right down the stretch, those play calls were awful. And so that's going to be a problem to look out for. And then one more uh, problem before I uh, stop focusing on the negative, uh, the pass defense, still a problem. Uh, I said, Ben, but don't break. And there were a few huge moments where, you know, they did not break. But then there were some some moments where they uh, just allowed some big plays by Virginia. They allowed Virginia to move quickly. I think there was one drive where Virginia went down the field and got a touchdown in like three plays. It, it was, you know, kind of absurd, <laughs> frankly. And, uh, you know, I get it. Virginia's a really good offense. Uh, and 38 points isn't you know, the, the worst they've, they've scored more Virginia scored more this season, but uh, that's a problem. And so we'll have to keep an eye on that moving forward, but the pass defense still a problem. Uh, we will take a very quick break, but when we come back done with the negativity, we're going to talk about what a remarkable uh, moment this is for the program. What a huge mark this is. And then we'll be talking about going forward, Charlotte, talking about rankings, all that good stuff coming up in just a moment right after this break on Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, we are back. I've got to talk about what a remarkable moment this is for the program. The Pitt Panthers football team has now won the Coastal Division two out of the last three seasons. And they didn't just slide in by some weird tiebreaker or lucky win. They've been great. They they only lost one ACC game. They were able to do it uh, with an extra week to spare. It's pretty amazing because remember last year there were no uh, divisions in the ACC because of COVID and the scheduling being uh, you know switched around. 2019 Virginia won it. 2018 Pitt won it. So two of the last three seasons, the Panthers have won the Coastal, and I get it. It's not the Atlantic, and it's not the SEC, but there are still good teams in uh, in the ACC Coastal, uh, and, and some big programs. Even if the teams aren't that good, there are programs that should be good, programs that have an advantage over Pitt. Uh, Miami, the U, they put together one of the best college football teams of all time. They should be way better than they are. Uh, Virginia Tech, they, for years, were one of the top 10, 15 teams in the country. They've fallen off. Uh, North Carolina, now with Mac Brown, they should be better. So it's not, the teams are good, but the they should be better. The programs are pretty high profile. And for Pitt, a team that hasn't won much of anything in decades, to go out there and come from behind, they join the ACC behind Miami, behind Virginia Tech, obviously behind uh, North Carolina, who've been there forever, to come out and sort of lap the field and now become, you know, for two out of three years, the best team in the Coastal. And overall, you could say maybe the best team in the Coastal for the last few seasons. That's pretty amazing that Pitt has been able to supplant itself, just like Clemson did in the Atlantic for years. Say, hey, we are the team to beat in this division. We're going to go to the ACC championship every year, just about every year. That could be Pitt. And they've got a great opportunity this year, especially to win it. So credit to Pat Narduzzi. Um, he's got his flaws. There are you know, still some problems there. But I got to tell you, you look at all the college openings, the head coach openings. There's USC. There's LSU. There's Florida now. Uh, there might be Texas. I mean, these are major, major schools. There, there might be Miami. There's going to be Virginia Tech. These are huge schools. And there just aren't that many great coaches. It's really tough to find a very good coach. Hires that people thought were excellent, not going that well. Dan Mullen in Florida seemed like a great hire, not going that well. Manny Diaz at Miami seemed like a great hire, not going that well. So... Yeah, I think while Narduzzi has his flaws, you take that because, one, you have stability, but also you have a good football coach if you're a Pitt fan. And maybe he's not amazing, but there are almost zero amazing football coaches. We're seeing this all throughout 
I mean, people you thought were great. Harbaugh at Michigan. James Franklin at Penn State. People thought he was great. Last season, Penn State stunk. And this season, they're decent, but they're not great. They're not as good as Pitt. And so a lot of these coaches that people thought were great, they're not great. And so to have a coach who's good to very good, you'll take that. Because unless you've got Saban or maybe Ryan Day or Luke Fickle at Cincinnati or maybe Mel Tucker at Michigan State or Lane Kiffin, unless you've got one of, you know, like, or Cur- I, I forgot, Kirby Smart at Georgia, unless you've got one of like seven or eight guys, there aren't amazing coaches out there. So to have a guy who, yeah, he's going to make some mistakes. Yeah, he might be a little frustrating. Yeah, you lose a game to Western Michigan. But to have a guy like Pat Narduzzi doing what he's done two out of the last three seasons, that's something to be proud of if you're a Pitt fan. Coming up next, well, there is one game. There's a Syracuse game coming up this Saturday. Uh, It doesn't really matter. Pitt is in a a pretty amazing situation where that game does not matter all that much. Uh, It'd be a luxury if they can win that game and they get to 10 regular season wins and go 10-2. and That'd be great, but they also don't need it. And if they feel that it's better to rest their players and get them healthy than it is to put them out there against Syracuse, then they can do that. They can do that, and that's fine. They can get everyone rested and healthy before the ACC championship game. So 10-2 and two in the regular season would be great. It'd be a huge benchmark. But ultimately, if you asked any Pitt fan, would you rather be 10-2 and two and lose the ACC championship or 9-3 and three, but then win the ACC championship? Yeah, it's, it's the latter. Because either way, you're getting 10 wins. One of them is a lot more important than the others. So... Yeah, the regular season, it matters, and 10 wins would be nice. But if you think that you've got any competitive advantage by resting your players or by not going all out and you know playing them for half against Syracuse, something like that, if you feel like that gives you even a tiny bit of competitive advantage in the ACC championship, I think you've got to do it. Because you don't want to look back and say, Oh, well, we lost the ECC championship game. Some guys were banged up. Some guys were tired. But, hey, at least we got 10 regular season wins. No. You you don't risk people getting targeting calls in the second half and then having to miss a half in the championship game. You don't risk someone getting hurt. You just don't risk it. After halftime, I don't really want to see starters out there. I don't care if it's a close game and they can win. I don't really care. They think that there's any competitive advantage to having a little bit more rest, you take it and and you focus on Charlotte. Charlotte is gigantic. This ACC championship game, this is the biggest pit game, and I've said this, I think, twice this season. Uh, first for Clemson, which was a big statement game, uh, which, I, I, to be fair, I think at the time I said, like, on paper, it doesn't matter as much, but just as a statement game, I thought it was huge. Uh, the Virginia game this past week, that was the most important game for Pitt since uh, the 2009 game against Cincinnati. It just was. But that does not hold a candle to this game. The ACC championship a couple of years ago when Pitt went, there was at best a 1% chance, at best, that Pitt could win that game. Clemson was phenomenal. Uh, there was no doubt they were going to the national championship. There really wasn't any way that Pitt could win. 
And I think everyone who went knew that, and Pitt fans and everything, no one expected a win. This time, people are expecting a win, because they can win. Uh, This is the biggest game since 2009, because they can win. Because winning the ACC would be absolutely gigantic. And unlike a couple years ago against Clemson, they can do it this year. They should be able to do it this year. We don't know yet if it's going to be against Wake or NC State or maybe even Clemson. Uh, most likely Wake or NC State. Wake uh, Forest has pole position. But whoever it is, it's winnable. Even if it's Clemson, it's a winnable game. You've beaten them once before, and yeah, it's tough, but it is winnable. So whoever it is, Pitt can win this game, and they should win the game. And yeah, it's it's just the biggest game since uh, 2009. Maybe even bigger than that. But it's just absolutely gigantic. If you're a Pitt fan and you're listening to this, if there's any way you can get down to Charlotte for that game, do it. If you're thinking about waiting for the bowl game, you know, maybe they'll go to the, they'll win the ACC championship and go to the Peach Bowl. Two things. Number one, if they don't win this game, nothing matters. They don't go to the Peach Bowl. So if you're hoping, oh, well, the Peach Bowl would be such a huge game, I'd love to be there. If they lose this ACC championship game, they're not getting an invite to the Peach Bowl. So the point is, they have to win this game to get that New Year's Six Bowl. And if they're outnumbered in terms of fans, if it feels like a home game for Wake or NC State or whoever, there's less of a chance that Pitt wins this game. So that's number one. Pitt has no chance of going to the Peach Bowl in Atlanta if they don't win this game. And number two is... Ultimately, a bowl game is fun. It's sort of a celebration. It's an interesting city and all that. But it doesn't really matter. I mean, even if Pitt wins the ACC championship and they go to the Peach Bowl. I mean, if you were to ask, you know, again, any Pitt fan, like I said a few minutes ago, would you rather this year be the year of 2021 ACC champions? You won the conference, or, and this is either or, 2021 Peach Bowl champions. You beat Notre Dame in the Peach Bowl, or something like that. I think everyone would say ACC champs. It's just a bigger deal. Uh, The Peach Bowl would be fun. It'd be a nice win. People, you know, watch over their holiday break. But ultimately, it doesn't really matter, and it doesn't really change anything. Winning the conference, that matters. That changes things. And so this is the game that matters. I get, you know, Peach Bowl would be fun. And, you know, hopefully if you have the means and the availability, you could do both if Pitt wins the ACC championship and goes to Atlanta. But if you can just do one, this is the biggest game. For a bowl game, whether it's the Peach Bowl or the Mayo Bowl or the Fenway Bowl or anything, you never know who's going to play. You never know who's going to sit, who's going to prepare for the NFL draft. You just never know. You know that every single player, if they have even the slightest ability to go, uh, they're going to go uh, in this ACC championship game. This game means more. Everyone knows it. And uh, that's why, again, if, if you're able to at all to get down to Charlotte, I know it can be a bit expensive to fly or to drive and hotels. I get it. This is going to be the biggest pit game in over a decade and maybe more absolutely huge game on the way 
and and so if, if you have a way to get there, get there. I am working on it, and if I get there, I will let you all know on Twitter, and hopefully we can hang out and I can see a bunch of people. That'd be a lot of fun. Um, but uh, I'll I'll let you guys know. Make sure to to follow on Twitter at Corey E Cohen, C O R E Y E C O H E N. A couple things uh, before we uh, wrap up. Uh, rankings, we will see, this episode comes out Tuesday morning, we'll see on Tuesday night where the college football playoff committee has pit ranked. The AP poll has become meaningless uh, since the college football playoff committee rankings have been coming out, which is a good thing because some of those voters seem to just not watch college football or have any idea what's going on. Um, Pitt is horrendously low in the AP poll, but the good news, if you're a Pitt fan, is it does not matter. What matters is the uh, college football playoff committee poll. And in that one, I think Pitt is probably going to be 16th, maybe 17th. Uh, but, you know, they're they're going to be fairly high. Uh, if it were me, I'd have Pitt at 14. But I can understand splitting some hairs. Uh, I'd have Pitt behind teams like Baylor, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, Oregon that have lost two. Uh, but then you look at other teams that have lost too. Uh, you know, BYU, not incredibly impressive. Iowa, not incredibly impressive. Uh, I, I think Pitt could be in front of them. They could be behind them, but they, they could be in front. Wisconsin with three losses. I know they look good, but a three-loss Big Ten team when the Big Ten is this poor this year uh, should not be ahead of a two-loss ACC team. A three-loss SEC team, I'll give you. Texas A&M deserves to be ahead, but not Wisconsin. Not a three-loss Big Ten team. No way. And certainly not uh, a three-loss Pac-12 team like Utah. No way should they be ahead of Pitt. So I'd have Pitt at 14. Uh, If they end up at 15 or 16 or even 17, I think that's fine. Uh, But ultimately, if they win the next two games, they're just going to keep climbing and climbing. And they they got a huge victory this week. Uh, And and so we'll see. My main thing, I think, uh, in terms of the playoff, Georgia's number one. Uh, Now that uh, Michigan State's been knocked out, Ohio State pummeled them. I've got to put the Buckeyes at two. Bama at three. They look good, but I, I don't think I can have Ohio State below them. And number four, Cincinnati. They're undefeated. They've got to be in the top four. Uh, and they've got to be ahead of Notre Dame, who they beat. Notre Dame, I think, is five. I'd put Ole Miss at six. Michigan should not be higher than seven. Uh, they've got one loss, and they have not beaten anyone remotely impressive. Uh, we'll see coming up this week against Ohio State. If they get a win over Ohio State, I've been proven wrong. But I don't see it happening. Uh, so I'd have uh, Michigan at seven. And finally, before we go, uh, just looking around the other sports going on uh, with Pitt, men's soccer. NCAA tournament is underway. They are on to the Sweet 16, a huge game coming up uh, against uh, Hofstra. So keep an eye out for that. Pitt men's soccer, absolutely huge game in the Sweet 16. Trying to make another run to the Final Four and uh, maybe lift the trophy this year. That'd be big. Um, Pitt volleyball, two big road wins. Also one of the best teams in the country. They could make it and win a national championship. Trying to get that done. Keep an eye on them. And then also men's basketball and women's basketball. Both had wins over the weekend. So it was a perfect weekend for Pitt sports, and that does not happen too often. So when it does, you've got to acknowledge it. Uh, It's a big moment. Panther of the week. I know I mentioned all those teams. I'm going to keep it with football because that game was huge. 
uh, sort of a tie. Jordan Addison for that game specifically was an absolute monster. So Jordan Addison is Panther of the Week, but also Pat Narduzzi from a, a broader scale, what they've been able to do uh, two of these last uh, three coastal seasons. Uh, it's it's really been incredible. Um, so uh, Pat Narduzzi for getting a second coastal championship, or, you know, coastal winners, whatever you want to call it, and having a legit chance to win the ACC, Pat Narduzzi and uh, Jordan Addison, Panthers of the Week. So that will be it for this episode of Unscripted. We'll be back next week after the Syracuse game to preview the ACC championship. We'll know who Pitt's opponent is by then. Uh, but until next time, we hope you'll join us. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get them. Just search for Cardiac Hill and uh, subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter at Corey E. Cohen. And uh, until next time, we hope to see you then. I'm Corey Cohen signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast.